God is good. Uh, I love, I love God's word. And uh, I get on so many different trails. I, what is Happy Trails? Is that a TV show? I get on so many happy trails. Just what I... <laughs> I hope that's not a derogatory something. Okay, okay. I, I think he's okay, right? <laughs> oh, but I love God's word. And I just want to pray over, over, over us that God will just give us a fresh, a fresh, like, breath of, of passion for his word. Amen. Amen. You've got your new cards. I hope hopefully you've got I want to share. I'm going to kick off with one of the the verse to memorize. Um, and so. I want to kick it off with one of the cards. But uh, let's just everybody close your eyes for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we love the word of God. Your word is life. And so many other things. It's a light to our path. It's, it, it's a word. Your word cleanses us and purifies us and sanctifies us. There's so many aspects to your word. And Lord, just breathe on us a, a, a greater passion, a greater hunger, a greater enjoyment of your word. Just in our own private lives that you're, you will just overwhelm us at times where we just want to Go to your word. You're, you're going to drop something in our heart, and we're going to go and look that up. And we're not going to just brush it aside, but we're literally going to go to your word. We're going to shut off the radio, the TV, the record player. We're going to shut it off, and we're going to go to the word because you just dropped something in our spirit. Lord, birth that greater passion. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I last week um, I talked I, I had just different scriptures that I read and then I commentated and then I tried to I, I likened it to potatoes and then I mashed the potatoes together. So hopefully you got it. Um, I, I, I want to say one thing and I don't mind giving up a minute or two because um, Justin works really hard at videotaping these messages and sometimes the live feed gets a glitch in it. And, but Justin works hard to record these, and then he actually posts them online. The, the good version. The, 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 <laughs> the, the good product. He puts it online. So if, if for some reason, uh, whoever it is you're watching during the week, and you don't, you, it, you know, there's, last week the computer froze. For whatever, there's these little bugs that get in those electrical lines, and it froze for about 20 out of the 30 minutes last week. But then Justin put it up, and I know we have a library up there. And Pastor David started us going into um, the life of Abraham a, a, a month or six weeks ago, and I encourage you, go back. Pastor Nelson has a message on there. Da Pastor David has a couple messages on there. Go back and, and refresh yourself. Amen? Amen. All right. My devotional card. What's amazing is the, the, the things that we've been studying, this, this um, 
scripture verse. I want to kick my message off this morning. It's Psalms 145. It's on the card that says my devotional. And it says at the bottom, it says memorize. And I, so I read it this morning as soon as I got the packet. Listen to this passage. Now, TPT, besides Psalms 145 on there, means the Passion Translation. Just in case you're wondering, um, I'm going to read it out of two different translations. This one is Zondervan. <laughs> that's, I know, that's a <laughs> Okay, that was supposed to be a joke, by the way. I know that Zondervan is not a translation. It's a publisher. <laughs> so I, I appreciate my wife got it. But she didn't get the joke. She just said, that's the publisher. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love you, baby. Okay. Let's read uh, this verse 13. I'm going to read it out of this. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth through all generations. Isn't that a powerful verse? The, the passion, he digs in. The, this gentleman that did the passion version, he really digs into his commentaries and all kinds of source documents. He, so I'm going to read it, and you can just follow along. You are the Lord who reigns over your never-ending kingdom through all the ages of time and eternity. And they go into verse 14 or... I don't know if that's 14. You, listen to this, you are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made. Amen. And you manifest yourself as kindness in all you do. Isn't that powerful? Memorize that. I want to, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I want to lay a, a little bit of groundwork here. I want to dig into the word air but then i want to circle back and give you a, a couple real practical things because sometimes i'm told i get really theoretical and greeky and then i don't wrap it up with what can you do during the week to implement what i've just greeked you with so sorry i gotta be careful nowadays right but, uh, so, <laughs> oh my, I want to start Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hopefully you've got your Bible. If not, I'm going to read it for you. Amen. Can you all hear me? I'm, I'm not holding this mic close enough. Now you can. These new covers, these new coronavirus covers they put on, the f are you got to really hold it close. God. Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1. after he spoke long ago, this is the New American Standard Bible, if it's not exactly the way you've memorized it in the King James. So this is New American Standard. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many different ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, by his son, through his son whom he appointed heir 
of all things, through whom also he made the world. Wow. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made full purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become a much as much better than the angels, and as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Man, my mind explodes. Wow. Then the rest of chapter 1, he talks about, he compares and shows how Jesus is so much better than the angels. And he compares and he talks and he, he references scripture verses from the Old Testament. A, a lot of them are from Psalms. I want to go chapter 2. I just want to highlight a couple things. So now after showing how Jesus is so much better than the angels, verse chapter 2 starts by saying, For this reason, because we have such a more excellent name, an excellent Savior, he says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention. I don't know how many times you've ever said that to your children. Pay attention. Well, here's the Lord, the writer through the, by the Holy Spirit saying, okay, guys, pay attention. Pay attention to what you read. Pay attention to my word. So we need to pay much closer attention to what we have heard through Jesus Christ so that we do not drift away. There's like a message in every like half a verse. I remember Pastor Nelson preaching a sermon on the, the slow drift. That was like 20 years ago. <laughs> but every time I read this passage, I remember the slow drift. Don't allow yourself to drift. It's so, so challenging it, when we get so busy and so bombarded. Anyways. For if the words spoken through angels, remember chapter 1, he talked about the angels and how they were used if, if the words spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transaction and transgression, sorry, and disobedience received a just penalty because of the word given through the angels, how will we escape if we neglect? Do you hear those? Do you see three amazing phrases? Pay attention. Don't drift. Don't neglect. Amen. How, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation brought through Jesus Christ? As it was at the first spoken through the Lord, this Jesus Christ talking, um, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him, so now the disciples are brought in, God also testifying with them, so God himself now working along the with the disciples who are now sharing the word of Jesus Christ. Testifying by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit which he had given. On the day of, on the day of Pentecost, according to his own will. Now that is some powerful, whew, I'm sweating already. I'm 
For he did, now, he did not subject to the angels the world to come. Hmm. The cosmos. He did not subject the cosmos, the world, to the angels. Guess who he subjected the world to? Us, through Jesus Christ. When God created the heavens and the earth, he told man, he blessed them, and he told them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue the earth, and have dominion. Now, through Adam, that dominion was forfeited for a season. And in Romans, it gives an incredible, I think Romans chapter 5, an incredible uh, display that how through one man sin entered, but then through another man. See, man forfeited his dominion. That's why another man had to come and regain it. God could have just did it all by himself sovereignly. But God chose to use a man, Jesus Christ. Ah, man, just thinking about Jesus, the word, the light, the word becoming flesh. That's just, it's just an incredible transaction there that I, I don't, it's mind-blowing. But God sent Jesus, who then took the keys back conquered end of verse two we don't have time to read the whole chapter i am i want to encourage you dig into this chapter verse 14 of chapter two says therefore since actually yeah no we'll just go to 14 since the children us share in flesh and blood the ones who had dominion gave it up it says, he himself, Jesus Christ, likewise also partook of the same. That through death he, may, he might render powerless him who had power of death. That is the devil. I love it when the scriptures just interpret themselves. So you're not trying to sit there wondering who had the power of death. It says the devil had the power of death. And Jesus Christ came and rendered him powerless. It didn't, doesn't mean he just took the power of death away from him. It says he rendered him powerless. The devil, the devil, Satan, the liar of old, the dragon, has been, has been rendered powerless. Jesus Christ conquered him as a man, conquered him. Then Jesus Christ, as a man, commissioned us, uh, imparted unto us all his power, all his authority through us. And he made, made us joint heirs, co-laborers with him. Amen. Chapter 3 starts, therefore. I love, I love Hebrews because he, he starts in chapter 1. Then in chapter 2, he says, for this reason or therefore. Then in chapter 3, he says, after explaining and interpreting and giving us all this. Chapter 3 says, therefore. So 
He's just told us how Jesus Christ is so much better, higher, more powerful than the angels. Then he brings us into this equation and says that the earth, the world, is subject to us. So now he brings us as co-heirs to literally not fully his level, but, but we are joined together with him. So I, I don't want to misstep and say that we're fully at the level of Jesus Christ because I don't want to go there. But we are joined together with him. And he has given us his power and authority. So you make your own conclusion as to what degree there. But, but, chapter 3 starts. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. You and I have a heavenly calling on our lives. What does that heavenly calling look like? Well, look at the express image of the Father represented through Jesus Christ who represented the exact nature of God himself when he walked the earth. Look at the life of Christ and you'll know what your life is supposed to look like. Whew. Wow. Some people say, oh, you know, the Old Testament. You know what? Sin, had, sin hadn't been given its final judgment at that point in time. And the children of Israel were not offering the sacrifices to cover sin. And so you hear all this judgment on them. And God, God the Father was judging, pouring his wrath out on sin. Then Jesus came, and what did he do? The wrath of God was poured out on, on him. So when we look at the New Testament, the life of Jesus, that is the exact representation of God himself there. Amen? And if you don't believe it, just receive it. <laughs> Because Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says so, not me. <laughs> Hebrews 1. I'm going to read it again, okay? Just so we don't get any confusion about Daniel Stunenberg saying things. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many different ways, in these last days has spoken to us in, by, through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of God's glory and is the exact representation. God's words. The exact representation of God's nature. Who is? Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ ever turn anybody away? In my sound check this morning, I preached this segment of my message. And it's not recorded, so I'm going to preach it again. Look at the life of Jesus Christ. Did he get angry? Yes, at the Pharisees. He got angry. He turned tables in the temple. Why? Because they were manipulating. They were extorting money. So he was 
upset. He was frustrated with the hypocrisy, with the manipulation of the sheep, and with the downright twisting of his word. But yet with the people, he had compassion. He had mercy. Can you imagine this woman caught in adultery? They were about to stone her. And he stopped the whole process. Mercy, compassion, but also dominion. Peace, be still. And the storm stopped. It says he rebuked the storm. Water into wine. Complete transformation. Breaking the loaves, the fish, and feeding. Why did he do that? Because he had compassion on the crowds and didn't want to send them away. The mercy, the grace that he extended. That is the nature. That is, literally, we're partakers of that nature. I read it last week. I, I, I'm not going to go there again because I'll get stuck for five, ten minutes. <laughs> All right. I want to jump over to Romans 4. We've read this passage two or three times. Pastor Nelson has. Pastor David has. I talked about it a little bit last week. The promise. Romans 4, 13. For the promise, what was the promise over Abraham? That he should be the heir of the world. He, Abraham, the heir of the world. And we, there's only one person who has ever overcome the world. We went through that passage last week as well. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So who is the heir of the world? Jesus Christ is the heir. We just read it in, in Hebrews 1. God has appointed him heir of all things. I want to, I'm going to read some of the, I'm going to get Greeky. I just think it's funny now. All right. I, I want you to listen to this. The noun, okay, the Greek word is kleronomos. Kleronomos is air. And it's made up of two words. One's a noun, kleris, and an, a, another one's a verb, um, omis. Um, where'd it go? Onomia. Namio, sorry, my Greek is a little off this morning. But here's, here's Claris, the first half of the word. Comes from our verb Cleo, meaning, almost Cleo, almost comes from you. Meaning to break or to divide, to divide into constituents. Our noun means, um, means lot or share. It denotes a representation of part of something that can't actually be divided. So I want to explain that. When he said Jesus is the heir of the world, this word, we'll get into it, literally does not mean that the father died and left the world to him. That didn't happen. In, in our English word for heir, somebody dies and leaves an inheritance, and I'm an heir to that. But in the biblical sense, the word heir 
literally means a shareholder of. I want you to get this into your spirit. Because the, the God appointed Jesus the shareholder of the world. The sole shareholder. And then Jesus has invited us. He didn't just say, oh, you get this one little share over here. It's an undividable portion. That means when we become a shareholder with Jesus Christ, we are literally a shareholder of the whole. He does not carve it into pieces and say, okay, you got this piece, and you got this piece, and you get this piece, and don't interact. No, we are literally blended in to the ownership of the whole, the possession of the whole. It's not like a natural inheritance that says, hey, you get this $100,000, you get this $100,000, and you get, no. That's not what happens. Jesus appointed sharehold, sole, singular shareholder of all things, overcame the world, has, is now in possession of the world. He overcame all things. And now he blends us in. When anybody who's in Christ is joined together with Christ, we become part of the, the wholeness that possesses the world. Therefore, anything we've seen Jesus do Anything we've heard Jesus say, anything we read about is our portion. Is our portion. And I know I said it last week. But the original command, the original blessing is reinstituted. For us. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish. That means fill. Fill what's in here, fill out there. Subdue. Subdue anything that's not in line, aligned with the kingdom. Subdue it, overcome it, and have dominion over it. Jesus Christ understood it taught it, demonstrated it so we would know what it looked like. And now he said, now we're co-heirs. Just in case you're wondering where that is found. I want to read a couple scripture verses on heirship. If you be Christ, this is Galatians 3.29. If you be Christ's, how many of you are Christ's? How many of you belong to Christ? About six of us. Okay. I hope. Re, re, you know, dig online. How many of you are Christ's? I hope all of us. I'm just going to blank it. We're all Christ's. That means we belong to Christ. It doesn't mean we are. We are little Christ's. It's an apostrophe S. It means a, a possession of Christ, okay? 
then are you Abraham's seed and heirs, shareholders of the promise. We have been brought in to the promise. What is the promise? That we would be shareholders of the world. How many of you have ever seen, is it Pinky in the Brain? This is, now I'm dating, this is commercial. And this, not, okay, it was this cartoon years ago. And this one, one was a really dumb partner. The other one, who masterminded ever, his whole goal was to take over the world. Was it Pinky in the Brain, Brad? Yes, you used to watch that all the time. <laughs> and it's funny because he failed every time. And at the end of the cartoon, stay tuned for my next adventure when I take over the world. <laughs> but guess what? That was a cartoon. This is a reality. This is a reality. You, because you are Christ, you are heirs of the promise. And the promise says you are heir, possessor, shareholder of the world. You are in control. Being justified, Titus 3, 7 says that being justified by his grace, that's what makes us heirs. According to the hope of eternal life. We become heirs being justified by grace. Romans 8, 17. You have to read some of the, the context behind it, but it's talking about being adopted into the in, as God adopts us as sons, as children. And if we are his children, then we are heirs of God. Heirs of God. I read in Second Peter chapter 1 how because of his great promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. Just mind-blowing. We are partakers of the divine nature. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs, and we are heirs of God. And we are joint heirs with Christ. That is just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Wow. Last passage of scripture I want to touch on today. My time just, okay, second half of the word. Got to get my glasses for this one. To, oh, actually, it's a verb called nemo. So if, if you can't work with this word, just watch the cartoon. Finding Nemo, and you'll get it. He works hard. The, the parent works hard to be joined together with the child. <laughs> Meaning, it means to disperse. So, literally what it means, the noun means the shareholder. He holds the single lot. He's, he holds, holds the portion, full portion. And then Nemo means to disperse. Meaning shareholder, the recipient of a unified revenue divided by share among the holders of So literally... He takes who he is. 
and he disperses who he is to the various shareholders that are joined together with him. And he distributes his power and his authority through himself to each one of us. Hmm. I want to just share a couple real practical things. I shared this with Pastor David, and that's why he allowed me to have the mic today. I convinced him. I was so passionate when I was sharing it with him. Make it good. Here's Paul talking to Timothy. And in Timothy 1.1, he gives him a charge. He gives him a charge over the church that he's leaving him with. It was in Ephesus. And he's leaving him this charge. Then, 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy. Now listen to this. According to the prophecies that went over you. How many of you ever had a word spoken over you? And if, if you say, no, I haven't, grab your Bible. Here's a word for you. Here's a word for you. You're a joint heir with Christ. There's a prophecy over you. So it includes all of you. Even if you haven't had a, a thus say it, the Lord moment, you just did. According to the prophecy that I just spoke over you, and look at all the different promises and prophecy. You know, the promises, I was thinking about this in my mind because it, this word says specifically prom prophecies. But you know the pro promises of God are literally prophetic over your life? So you can't di divide them. The promise over Abraham was prophetic. So you can't divide. So if you want to split hairs and say, oh, that's prophecies, and I've never had a prophecy spoken over me, you've had a promise spoken over you. And the promises of God are just as strong as a prophetic word. Literally, they are prophetic. So, according to the prophecies which have went all over you, by them make, make war. I shortened it. That, th that by them, by the prophecies, mightest war a good warfare. You take the promises of God, the prophecies, the promises, take his word, and with that word, you make your warfare. How do I have dominion? Take the promises of God. Here, I, I'm going to give you the, the, the real practical. You've, you've, you see the promises of God, and none of it's happening. Then you, then... There's this voice that says, it's never going to happen. For whatever reason, your, your lack of education, your bad history, your past, things that have uh, been said over you, uh, maybe things you've done. And for whatever reason, Satan roams around like a 
He's a roaring. He, he's trying to put words into your head, thoughts into your head. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm too negative. I don't have the person. All this stuff, it's not happening because of you. Something's wrong with you. And he roars. And he wants to put thoughts and, and words into your head. And here's your practical tip. Reject it. Just like that. Say it out. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. You say it out loud. I reject that accusation. I reject that lie. Now, you might not be able to say it that loud. If you're in a grocery store or something, don't, don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you happen to let it slip and you say something, just say, oh, I'm on the phone <laughs> or something. Have you, have you ever walked past somebody who's talking to you and, and you like, oh, what, what was that you said? I'm on the phone. <laughs> just pretend something like that. I reject that. Oh, oh just, just, uh, my, you know. This person on the phone is just saying all kinds of nasties about me. And I'm just literally, when the roaring lion comes and he sees that he struck, struck fear into somebody, it says he's looking for someone to devour. If a lion roars and the deer panics, he freezes. And guess what happens to him? It becomes lunch. And so Satan roams around, roars, roams like a roaring lion. He's trying to strike fear, doubt, stress, anxiety. He's trying to paralyze us. And if we come into agreement with that roaring, we're devoured. So how do you overcome that? You reject it. You've got to reject it. You have to come against that. You're not good enough. No, I'm worthy. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that lives in me than the one that lives in the world. Perfect love casts out fear. So I'm not going to worry or panic. Oh, that's never going to happen in your life. God, God accomplishes everything he says. He does. And we literally, in another passage of scriptures, we have to take every thought captive. Don't come into agreement with what the enemy wants to roar over your life. Here, rebuke him. Oh, no, that belongs to God. No, no, Jesus rebuked the storm. Guess what we can do? Listen, we got to step into this. We got to step into this. Rebuke him. Oh, uh, the scripture says rebuke the devourer. Oh, and he's talking about money. No, 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 no. The roaring lion wants to. Devour you, so rebuke the devourer. Rebuke him. Rebuke means scold him. Have you ever 
your child does something to him. And you, have you ever scolded your child? Get to your room. I've literally said this to Satan. Go back to where you came from. And I didn't use those words. I don't want to use the words I used. But I've said it. Those crows at the auto mall, they follow me around, you know. They, they jump from one post to the other. They must be entertained when I'm just talking and doing things. And <laughs> they literally go from, and then they, anyways. Listen, you've got to rebuke him. You've got to resist him. You've got to reject him. You've got to actively, don't just think in your head, oh, that's a bad thought. I reject that thought. And, and like, do you know he can't read your thoughts? He cannot read your thoughts. He likes to throw thoughts in there. He likes to implant his, his thinking. But he can't read your thoughts. He can, he can tell by your actions maybe what you're thinking. If you just freeze... I, I, he probably can tell because he's, he's, he's wandering around, looking around, but he cannot read your thoughts. So don't reject his thoughts with just your thoughts. Literally, tell him off. Come on, that's your practical advice this week. Tell him off. Say, I reject that. I'm not coming into agreement. Pastor, I love Pastor Nelson's phrase, and I use it a lot when I'm, I'm counseling people. Don't go down that road. He wants to take you down a road that will lead you to destruction. Literally, I've said it out loud in my yard. I'm not going down that road. Don't go down the road with him. Reject him. It says if you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, what has to happen? He must flee. Submit means to arrange yourself. It was a military term. I'm going way over time. I'm sorry. Pastor David, I'm sorry. I just, ah. Uh, uh. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm, oh, my. This is, I'm really far over time. Submit means to arrange yourself underneath in subjection to the authority above you. So if you submit, place yourself under the covering of God himself. That's the qualifier there. You can then resist the devil, and he will. It doesn't say he might wander away. It says he will flee. It's literally like a terrorized terror. So this week, there's going to be thoughts that bombard us. There's going to be roaring that goes on around us. Fear tactics. This week, reject them. Say, no, I'm, I don't accept that. I'm not going down that road. No, I am worthy. I am qualified. Reject it. Oppose his thoughts. Oppose his thinking. Oppose them. Reject them. Rebuke them. Get out of here. Go 
to your room. And you know which room that is, right? You can fill in that blank this week. Tell them off. Amen? As you reject his thinking, as you reject his thoughts, they will have less and less hold on you. Because he's going to wander around and say, okay, it doesn't work on that guy. He might try it. But after a while, I found in my own life, there's certain things I don't even react to a thought anymore. There's certain things I don't, doesn't even change. After a while, he will stop. Now, he might find a different thing that he might want to try to get you going on. But after a while, the roaring lion realizes, I'm not going to catch that deer. He's too quick. He's too smart. He, he seems to know I'm coming before I even get there. And he moves on to a different target. So take thoughts captive. Rebuke. Resist. Reject. Amen. 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 Let's close in prayer. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And with that blessing, the name of the Lord God has been placed upon you. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.